There we go. Michael is yours. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Okay, this is going to be the OSC, uh conversation conference call number 14. Um, the Joan Greer is going to do a talk on the lost tablets from OASI. Uh, the date, today's date is August 21st, 2019. And Peter Harjans will do the moderation. All right. Thank you, Michael. And as we heard from Michael, we are doing the tablets. Joan is doing the presentation tonight. Um, I will ask uh, if there's any of those here that want to do the opening prayer. Leslie, Joan, Michael, me, Andy, Susan, Richardson. Going once, going twice. All right, I'll do it. Um, yes, Peter. Okay. Oh, great spirit, oh, all persons, Jehovah, Om, they are great I am, great Naomi. We come to you, as you know, for your light and your guidance to be more aware of thee and thy creation and the workings thereof. Amen. Amen. Joan, you're on. Okay. Um, of course, you know we're going to talk about the Tree of Life and the center tablet that were edited out of the lobby. I just wanted to say that um, Joy's been doing a lot of work on the tablets and um, she discovered a tablet that was that is named in a waspy that doesn't seem to be there, and I'm going to give you the name of it. It's the Aiozan, and if you want the spelling, I can send it to you. I'm not going to spell it out here, but it's in the book of Sethantes, uh, chapter 5, verse 24, and um, the verse says, in Jehovah's name, I salute thee, Haja, um, God of Tech. And then in parenthesis, it says, see tablet, ah, Iodzan, book of Safa, and in parentheses. So they edited out another tablet. Um, I have no idea what it is, and I'm sure that if we need the information, it will be given to us in one way or another. But I thought it was interesting that um, documentation, there's yet another one that we don't know where it is. But well, the, there uh, is a thought about that, Joan. <laughs> something I came up with. But um, in the Elois uh, Awaski edition, Yes. I think they call the one the one that is at the end of um I forget which book and I don't have an Owaski with me. But oh well that's one all right. Of, one is one of the unnamed tablets. It could be, I well, suppose. No, it has a name. It has a name, but they give it they give that one the other name, which I think is uh a In other words, it has like two different names. I, I think ah. it, but I think it's a I well, think it's a well, it's the one of of numbers. 
that's all numbers. If I have any trouble with it, you can help me with it when you get back. That sounds interesting yeah. to research. It's okay. okay. At the very end of one of the books, and it's the one that's all numbers, you know, with the little lines and then words for them, and it t starts with text. Uh huh. And I think that oh, really, and maybe and maybe others have determined that it had two names, <clears throat> or one of those names is correct, or something like that. Huh. Okay. Well, while we can go, we're just getting getting yeah. more of that together. But you owe. I think refers or I owe refers to um, refers to like uh, symbols. Uh huh. Symbols for numbers. Anyway, you can check that one out. Yeah, and that, the names are the one that's on there now. I thought anyway. it was. Um, uh, research. Somebody came yeah. on, didn't they, or did somebody go off? Anyone no, I came on? in to do the. Uh, yeah. Hello, how are you today? I'm doing just fine, thank you. Um, one thing that struck me, I guess maybe I should give you a little background. Um, in case somebody doesn't know, um, the Tree of Light um, was found by uh, uh, the Essenes of Cosman and was published the first time in uh, when they were at North Salt Lake um, in the um, around 1950. I don't have the date of the that it was published. I do have the newsletter it was in. Um, and the other one, the center tablet, um, if you read the, the article in the newsletter, you know that, that as I had read the trance addresses from England that Gwen had so kindly supplied us with, that they kept talking about the center tablet this and the center tablet that and compared it to this and that and the other thing and said that it was part of the study of the three tablets, um, Hoed, Hai, and uh, Arabanya and Asian Egypt. And it there was great confusion in the... Uh, notes that the English had made about this because they couldn't find the tablet, the center tablet. And they tried different tablets, but nothing seemed to work. And um, I, I told Gwen that because she was going through all the papers, um, disposing of duplicates and uh, trying to sift out the valuable papers, because they closed down the archives, and um, she had taken what she could rescue. And she still has a lot of papers in Georgia. Um, however, um, I told her that if she ran across anything that looked like a tablet, to remember that I wanted to know more about the center tablet, maybe, maybe she could find it among the papers. 
And she called me one day and said she thought she'd found it and she was going to put it in the mail. Unfortunately, she didn't realize how much I valued it and she folded it in two places. And we can get the fold out. Uh, we don't have that particular um, piece of software yet for the computer, but uh, we can get most of the fold out. Uh, just take a little work by Joy to do it. So um, we're trying to make several good copies on um, heavy photographic paper and putting them in good plastic sleeves, plastic proof sleeves, because these, the one she sent me that was folded is the only copy that there is. It is a photograph of, of the center tablet. Um, we know from the trans addresses in 1960, they gave a description of it. They gave a description, the angels gave a description of the um, center tablet. But we don't know when this was painted or if it was painted by the angels or if someone there did it. It is so like, it is so like the other tablets I'm inclined to think the angels did it. I I didn't know they had anyone with that much artistic skill among their their people there at um, Walton. So um, the tablet itself appears to be now. You know, I have I have the photograph. Uh, it appears to be a very large piece of canvas hung on a wall and there is a, um, it looks like a, a heavy drape, a heavy drapery that they pull across in front of it so that it is kept out of sight except when, when they use it in a ceremony. Uh, I have no idea whatever happened to it. When had never seen it. She didn't know what happened to it, um, but it's gone. Um, it's a pity, but that's the way it is. We do have the photograph, and we're making we're making several very good copies of it. And then Joy uh, from the trance addresses, it said that the nine entities were to be placed above it, but were invisible and she joy came up with the concept of putting them in and putting the sky behind it to remind us that they were supposed to be invisible she said she's going to make another one and make it just a little different uh, because they're supposed to be stars above the pillars so that the stars will show so um with the computer, it's an easy thing for her, but it's it's very painstaking work. I I watch her work sometimes with these things, and I I don't have the patience for it. I don't. She just she will patiently work with one single line, one single stroke to get it just to fit, just the way it should. So that's that's how we came to have the tablets. Um. 
One thing that struck me, I want to talk first about the the tree of light. Um, I think most of you know uh, it's called the Adonai section of the tree of light for 10,000 years. Now, Adonai means that it's given by the Lord. So the work of the Lord, so the work the Lord were given during this 10,000 years is on this tree. And it is it is very obvious that the different groups that um, the different groups that are mentioned are very diverse. Um, Judaism, Rosicrucians, um, Zarathustrians. It's really, it's really amazing. Are you still there? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I was trying to move my phone closer and prop it up here, and I was afraid I'd messed it up. Okay. Um, but you see um, that um, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different different thoughts, philosophical thinking in these various groups. Um, and the reason for this, I was quite impressed when I stopped to think about it, because I realize we're all individuals. Uh, faithists are strongly individual, and we value our individuality. And we think about things differently. I don't think about things the same way Peter does, um, or Susan, or Leslie. Um, we all have different ideas about some of these things. And the Lord understood this about the people of earth. And they gave all these different ways that the teaching of the supreme being or the creator could be carried on earth by people that did not realize that they were working with the lords to maintain this knowledge. Um, but all of these groups, the Gnostics, the Rosicrucians, the um, Essenes, the Zarathustrians, uh, the, the Judaism, uh, all these groups carried the message of the Supreme Being, the Creator, and many of them are still with us today. Um, I know nothing about the Gnostics. And if any of you do, I wish you'd speak up now because I made some notes from... Um, uh, but um, as I, I understand... Who, who said? Somebody know about the Gnostics? Yeah, I know a little bit. I've seen some stuff and, and spoke with the Gnostics in some ways and Rosicrucians. I have some similar things. The Gnostics are use a lot of wisdom as Sophia, the feminine power. And um, it is about knowledge, and it would be very close to us. It would be the Christianity with a less of a focus on on Jesus. And um, 
And in fact, there was a book I read, The Gnostic Gospels of Jesus. And in the Gnostic Gospels, there, uh, um, the Gospel by John, the Gospel of Mary, so forth. It's much more on the feminine idea of it. In the beginning, it, in one of the books, it talks about more the Messiah being feminine than masculine. And then it, in some of the others, it's a little different. Um, in, in in one of the books, it, it is very definite, and I forget the title of the particular books within this collection of Gnostic Gospels, um, that Joseph is clearly stated as Jesus' literal father. Uh, so very different than usual Christianity. It also referring to the Holy Spirit as feminine, and uses this one statement in it that, using the word woman, it says, because he talks about the spirit of God, you know, within Jesus, and it says, well, how can a woman get a, a woman pregnant? Meaning, how could the the feminine get a feminine being pregnant? Which I thought was really kind of interesting. So it goes much more of what is in Owaspi, uh, much more in what's in Owaspi, um of the the non you know begotten son idea of Jesus, and Jesus in one of the those gospels says very clearly that rejoice because you have a father, your father, your heavenly father is in you, and at that time in Israel, Israel was considered God was considered the father of Israel, but not everybody's individual father. So in that statement, Jesus is of Nazareth is saying in those Gospels that it's not me. What you are rejoicing is that the presence of the Father is in you. And me, too, mm. was the emphasis. So That's very beautiful, actually. Um, and it goes into <laughs> other things where it's very... Um, very close to what what, what Owasipi says in some things, that um, and um, and it really stresses the mortalness or the everyday kind of birthness of Jesus, and the emphasis is on the unseen Creator in many of these, and also on the saintliness of Mary Magdalene. Hmm. Not the picture Very interesting. of being a whore, as it is in the Old Testament or the New <laughs> Testament, or whichever you know. Excuse me, the Old, the New Testament. What? But again, it 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 celebrates <laughs> the feminine essence. There's more celebrating of the feminine essence of the Creator. Did someone? Um, can we help someone? I heard someone talking over here. Hello. Oh, I just asked. Maybe it's just breath or sound. Okay. Um, I did look up the Gnostics. Uh, Peter gave a very full explanation. One thing uh, that he didn't say is that um, uh, what I read was the goal of the Gnostic Christianity is to make the reasoning mind an instrument of our spiritual nature. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that humans are divine souls trapped 
in the material world, which is certainly true. So that guess it's a good view. Thank you, Peter. I'm glad you used to put your back in. I wanted to throw into it. I just happened to come across a couple of years ago a Mormon program on TV with their high exalted prophet, who really plays the part in the robe and the beard, and uh, you know it's really kind of impressive. But he was down <laughs> on Gnostic, Gnosticism, hmm. and he was saying, and this is interesting. I want you all to hear this. If I heard this brother right, he said, well, it has to be the Jesus and the masculine because, I mean, it's war and turmoil that comes out of the female. <laughs> I say, oh, brother, you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was, like, he was very oh, adamant and, and just talking about how destructive Gnosticism is. And when you gave that definition of schooling the the logical mind to be a vehicle for the, for, for spirit or for divine mind, uh, you know that that is that's kind of what I was trying to get at when I was talking about Gnosticism, because um, Gnostic basically means knowledge. So it, in a way, it's like saying in the old the oldest meaning of Christ, knowledge or um, the all knowledge, oh. knowledge of the all. So Gnostic is knowledge. Yes, that's how I'd always thought of it. Yeah, uh, the the knowing, if you will. Yeah. Well, that well, that, that, that uh, Go ahead, Leslie. Yeah. Well, my understanding of the emphasis, one of them, and I don't know that that it was all. Um, you know, so much the same with all the different groups or anything, but but that um, you kind of touched on it, Joan, when you said the spirit trapped in the body. That's been my understanding that um, the emphasis was on um, very much more on the the spiritual world rather than this world. Uh-huh. So that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily completely balanced. Whereas the last uh-huh. I get a balanced feeling from reading the book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, remember it says in Oasi that many of these religions, and I would imagine it goes for sacred or so-called secret societies and orders like, like this, were given to people at the time and place that fit their culture and their intellectual yes. development. Right. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, yes. Really that's the whole do. point. Uh-huh. Yes. And Alaski and seems to emphasize that this is the birthing place mm. for souls, so it's just something, just something normal <laughs> where we're supposed to be, and it's a, a place of development. Right. The first place of development. Rather than trying to, you know, uh, deny this world, right, in yes. an unbalanced, in an unbalanced way, mm-hmm. it just needs balance to me. Yes, yeah, well, indeed. Even the re- reference to this is, you know, the flesh is the womb for the spirit, for our our more eternal being, and the spirit for the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And our flesh house. I mean, these, these, this is the factory, the place where we're developing our individuality. And I think it's like in the lessons 
that we have, we, we that corrugate. You know, there's, there's the subjective heaven, and I'm talking about this in a different way than we usually see it in Oasis. The subjective heaven and the objective heaven. We we come down as light through the subjective heavens into the someone's birth canal, and the genes of the father and mother come, and then we're born on this plane, and we go back up into the heavens as objective perfecting individuals. Like I said in Oasis, it's Jehovah is individual is what is it um, life motion individual and person and so are we this and in being so then we are to perfect our individuality our motion life and our person and person being like the all person is the unity of the whole the individuality it would seem is our individual uniqueness and interesting with for me with motion because um, motion was his speech is is movement in general as as speech or or the flow of our body as as you saw with Apollo the beautifying of the body and life obviously the spirit of life and of and of, and of the creator in us. Um, before okay. I, before okay. I, I wanted to bring this up. It had to do with what you said in the last um, conference call, John. You were talking about um, protons, neutrons, and uh, electrons. Yeah. The NOIC, when it talks about there's only three, you know, they use ghost, the father, the ghost, spirit, soul, the undescribable, my, the mother, the form, and the son, which was both able to receive and to project. For what I've read about protons, that we never actually see the proton. We see the trail the proton leaves behind, but we have not seen it yet, so the ghost. You have the electron, which would be like my, the individual, which you know, and what came to me today, that the neutron is like in that Zarazutu is the sun, that which can receive and give forth, or Vahana, or whatever they called it. So all those... Let, let's talk about this at the science thing, uh, Peter. So I just wanted to pass, it, pass that, uh, that there's this connection with Owaspi and, and the three components, wisdom, love, and power, however you break that three components. Yeah, there is a connection. There is definitely a connection. Uh, there are the the three the three aspects, yeah. Um, as, as you look at the tree of light, you, we see the Anasis. You may not have the tree there with you. Um, and above the Gnostics are the, the Mithraic religions. Um, those are, are very interesting because they're based on the teachings of Mithra, who was a sub-god in uh, India, in Bindu. And he gave um, the Kabbalah as part of his message or part of his work to earth for the Mithraic religions. Um, the, when the Roman legions would, under uh, Alexander the Great um, went into Asia, 
they learned about the teachings of Mithra and um, they were so struck by the mysticism of it that it became the official religion of the um, Holy Roman Empire soldiers. And they took it with them wherever they went in the world, which was all over Europe. And there are still some uh, some of their um, meeting places are still um, seen. Uh, I think um, some of the islands off of Spain, um, someone told me who had been there to visit, someone I knew said they had gone to the myth the Mithra Shrine there. And, of course, all the symbols had been removed, but it's an, it, was an underground, it was an underground structure. And it was something that the warriors could relate to, a mysticism for warriors, which um, I'm not quite sure how that works. Well, there's, but, um, there's a part that fits in with that. There, there's writings about St. Paul grew up around mysticism Mithraism, and uh-huh. he incorporated that in his Christianity. And remember, he was a Roman citizen. Um, well, the uh, what, let me, the myth, uh, the myth, the myth. I want to bring into that is that member in Owaspi, Luanamog, is talking about how the Christians, his warriors, and this is before he took the name Christ were being killed and their holy bull was being burnt. The symbol in the Mithra religion at that point in time was a white bull. So you see where Mithra in this, the Mithraism, the more ancient Mithraism, was mixed into what became Luanamog's Christianity. Okay, thank you. Um, the... the um one of the things that Mitzer gave was the um, a simple kind of Kabbalah form, which was developed later. We see it on the left side of the Tree of Light. It was developed later uh, through Judaism, but it it had to be, and it, it you find it in Asian religions in the yin and the yang. Um, I couldn't think of any other, but I'm sure I'm sure the rest of you may know different ways that positive and receptive is um, in Asian religions. But that was um, that was uh, the Mithraic religions, and then going on farther up the tree, the Rosicrucians. Now I know Peter knows about the Rosicrucians. Because he was a Rosicrucian person before he found a waspy. Oh no! After um, actually, it was it was in meditation that they that I was directed to go and was told to see the similar. I'd find the similarities and to learn how they did degree work. And I think I might have even mentioned it last week. They in their temple when we sit. When we, when I sat, there was it wasn't quite a, a semicircle because it had people coming in in the middle and sitting either side, but like on a bus facing each other. So the form kind of almost looked like a tuning a tuning fork. Um, and in 
the the east was this light like a sun standing for all light and in the west was a red light standing for ohm for the mother for the female energy and most of the teachings of the rosicrucian were talking about how all the lawgivers taught the great infinite architect of the universe the great the great spirit if you will and it and it's a cur- it's a theme all the way through that is very similar to to the oaspi um and this rosicrucian i belong to was the one they call amrock the ancient ancient order of the rosy cross now as we know when we've talked about the tablets and um hoed and all that we we have the the rose deep deep rooted the idea of that rose and the and the omific power um so they were very they were very strong on on what and it was so familiar and so close to Hawaspi teachings now from what i understand the amrock or the ancient order of the mystic cross as such started with Tutmos the third or Tutmos the second uh Tutmos the third was the father of Agnaten who had came to that with the one religion of peace and nonviolence in Egypt after him so he would have been Tutmos the fourth but he he made the Aten the symbol of the sun his god now it also said and he was about he banned warfare and all that I mean the priests and the war soldiers did not like him um and i think so it goes back to to ignatian's time or ignatian's father's time and it was built on the ancient according to those teachings built on the ancient osiris mysteries which we would know go, goes back to um uh, Felsmoth. but um so it's, i think it's very interesting and in the, the degree work was just basically interestingly enough Joan really more ways of learning to balance oneself and get a firmer clearer vision into the next realm but again about balance was very was a key point in balancing intellect and spirit emotions and and uh, intellect and learning acquiring knowledge both physical and spiritual and again doing the balance so we see the the kind of cosmic era in it but this was part of these mystery schools to have their uh, initiates balance people as much as possible according to their times so i found it i found it very enlightening and i i would say from a faithless point that the rosicrucians were probably under the egyptian shrine uh in general um seems like so yes right and much of it was to protect the light but also to push back and be a defense against the darkness which fits also the egyptian shrine so very okay. interesting Peter. thank you right. uh, going on up the the tree then the next the next uh, unusual group are the chasidim am i saying that right Leslie? you you know a little about the about i think them. it means hasidic hasid i know they spell it on that on that tree graphic that you're using 
it's spelled Hasidin. So the CH would be pronounced Ha, like Bach. And it was Hasidic. And even if you see the word, even if you see the word Hasidic spelled with an H, I think it really is actually they would pronounce it. Well, they don't even necessarily use the word Hasidic, but um, but the non-Hasidic use the word Hasidic. <laughs> but it would be Hasidic. However, however forceful you want to make that sound. But I looked that word up. You can't. There's only a couple places you can see that word. The way it's spelled on that graphic that you're using there, yes. or the you know the Tree of Life graphic there. Um, it's and in my view, what it really means is um, Hasidim, which is plural, and has, Hasidic is how we hear it, hear it now. But Hasidim, even though that uses an that on the tree it uses E N E, correct? Mm-hmm. E N E, the spelling. I think it really is supposed to be I M mm-hmm. at the end, which would be plural in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, actually, the plural in Hebrew will be I Y M. I Y M. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. But I, I haven't seen it like that, but maybe so. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for that. The, the, this group yeah. particularly interested me because I'd never heard of them before, although Leslie had. She knows a good deal about Judaism. Um, well, there's, yeah, there's nothing... It's not. They're out there now, and they've been around. They're out there now, off and on, off and on. Right. I mean, there's a modern Hasidic movement that started in the 1700s, Um, and and from their definition, it kind of means saintly or holy, and and Hasid or Hasid is very similar to our said or has said yes. in Owasi, the, right. the, the pure ones, the, the, the uh, pious. Yes. One of, one, of the sources, mm-hmm. one of the sources that I turned to was uh, Britannica, and um, it, it kind of gave a vague, sweeping statement that it was, and <laughs> this may not be true, but it said that um, it was Jewish people who wanted to use some aspects of Judaism, such as such as the Kabbalah, but did not necessarily want to follow some of the other Jewish formal traditions. Is that a fair statement? Um, well, I'm not sure about that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, the, yeah, the Hasidim, I'm sorry. So. Hasidim's I've I've Where known. did that come from, Joan? Where did that come from? I think that was from the Britannica on the order of the 
however you say the name of the group. <laughs> I'm going to have to no, practice. Look, it. In the, in the, the, the guy who started the, usually they said that this more this Jewish. article They're more this not more traditional. Just let me say this. Just a minute. Let me say this. Yeah. It said that a lot of groups could be roughly gathered into this, right. including yeah. pagans and possibly um, um, masons. Uh, now, it, it's a matter of, of definition here and who's writing the pieces. The Indeed. The, the Hasidim, um, some of the Chabad people are Hasidim, some are... I, um, is you know the the guy who re, rebooted it as you will in the 1700s he was a reformer and and much of what the the Hasidim that I've come across are talking about that everyone has the Messiah in them like saying everyone's got the Buddha and we their mission is to develop their own messianic ability and and be like a Messiah so well uh, it would be the creator. Yeah, well, the mess they the, deliver way. from the darkness, if you will. And first, they have to deliver themselves from the darkness. Um, and going back to what you said, Leslie, about the spirit, you know, being trapped in the flesh. Their their whole thing is that in that of freeing everything from the shell of matter. So even within the matter, very much like we're talking about, has the spirit or energy or the ether of the creator. Um, so there's and and they and they they're mystical. They dance. So the you know there's a, a very more well, mystical I, quality to the yeah. ones I've come in contact with. I attended Chabad for five years, so I mean I don't know there there can be an emphasis on on the Messiah or Moshiach, but um, it's essentially on the Creator. Right, but I'm saying the Creator and, in and us I is... I do the, believe. Mm -hmm. The Creator in us, they just use... That is is the delivering energy, so they will use the word Mashiach yeah. in that sense from the ones the one I've talked to them. I'm, I'm just saying collectively speaking with different ones. And again, mm -hmm. there's different, I think, even Hasidism, as you said, has broken down into different um, interpretations within the within its own group. Um, when I was in New York, I had several Hasidic landlords, and I made the mistake when I was younger to try to pay rent on Saturday, and I went all the way to Queens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. Hasidic would be more traditional, right? Not not less. Yeah, but as I said, that so one, from what you were reading or something that you were reading, well, someone is what obviously some some editor in Britannica had a, had another thought about it because yeah, because they're very they are very strict. I mean, is, but is is there the ones they have their own kind of interpretation? You know, and and wearing the the paces and and the beards, all of that is like a very important part of of their dress. You know. Um, well, the kind of what I gathered <laughs> is that um, that they don't even like to be called Hasidic, at least don't. Chabad. 
because they just say they're just they're Jewish. They're just Jewish. They're traditional. Right. Well, I think right. and in their own way. And there's different there's different groups of even right. what we would call Hasidic. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah, they don't think of themselves as Hasidic. They just think of themselves as, you know, really Jewish. <laughs> I mean, as far as observant. Huh. They're very observant of all the traditions. Yeah, we go into yeah. that word, we're the pious yeah. ones. We're the ones who's being pious. I mean, they, 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 the ones I've come in contact with are trying yeah. to, to convert regular yeah. Jews to their Judaism because they got the right yeah. Judaism. They got the right one. <laughs> yeah. They don't convert outside, but, you know, they will convert no, they don't inside. Go. Yeah. It's an outreach program. Right. You know, sort of, it, it's strangely enough, in a way, the way they consider bringing in the lost sheep of Israel back to their to the correct way. Yes. Um, but there's all different kinds, and there, you yeah. can't really say. And, right. and, and even each congregation, like each congregation and a rabbi are going to do things a little bit different. Yeah, there's the Regardless of York. the type of Judaism, it seems like to me. In New York, there was a famous rabbi who, I guess a few years ago, had passed away, but he was the big honcho, in the, I guess, in Queens. And uh, he wrote about stuff about believing in people from other planets, you know, the, the, the kind of existentialism, uh, and not if um, transcendental stuff that, you know, like the Masons and those folks were talking about in, in George Washington's day. So it's very, very, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of factions as you say. Anyway, go ahead. Or just different, it's just individual, um, kind of up to the rabbi and how things are done. But that's true across the board. I mean, right. yeah, with reform or conservative or anything. It seems like. Okay. To me. Very interesting. Um, going on up the tree, um, the faithist religion comes in next, and the modern order of mystics is sort of the same, the same base for those two. And of course, we're all familiar with uh, modern orders of mystics. Uh, we've probably all dabbled in those, read books, and and um, probably attended lectures and so on. Well, so you think it, it just goes to show that that the gods or the lords really um, <laughs> kept the message of the uh, creator, um, the supreme being, forefront with a very large assortment of philosophical or religious groups, which is kind of amazing and. And I wonder today if maybe we should we should consider being more um, flexible in people that that don't seem to agree with how we think it should be done. Um, it, we need to, to be more more patient with each other, I think, and more more understanding. Uh, I love the quote Morley, George Morley said, 
Faith should be left to believe what they want to believe or what they don't want to believe. And that seems to be the attitude that the uh, the Lord's had. I I will call your attention to the fact that the the symbols, there's this group of symbols that are here that says these symbols are, were used by the Lord's in all the branches of all these groups that they started. That was the triangle, the cross, the X, the circle, the double triangle, the heart, the chalice, the snake, and um, uh, the X is also another symbol that, that is not shown there. But it's, these symbols go back to the Ice Age. These are very ancient and have been used for, by mankind for, well, the Ice Age, uh, Joy printed me off a chart of Ice Age symbols, 11,500 years old, and all of these symbols that I just named were on that, um, these Ice Age stone uh, carvings. So symbols, symbols that have been brought forward have been used by groups for thousands of years. Um, let's take a look at the um, the other tablet. Joan, I, late here. Joan, the, to, yeah. To go further. There is in uh, chap somewhere between chapter X I I X V I I and X V uh, I. Uh, uh, Tim Patty. Anyway, I, I've been looking for it here. But he's talking about what you just said. He talks about how, especially in this age, people have to develop and understand the Creator in in their own way. And in their own way, absolutely. There's also, and I think this may be important, maybe not about Adonai, because in um, in a lot of Jewish ceremonies that I've gone to, the word is written in the J-H-V-H for Jehovah. Then, but you can't speak the word, so they say Adonai. And in one of the accounts, was there was a point, in one of the Kabbalistic things I read, there was because of the people not keeping to the law, they were told they were not allowed to say the holy name, and Adonai was substituted. Um, and one of the from the one of the readings I read, according supposedly to the Essenes, the reason for that was because they they were practicing an animal diet and going to war. But um, whether that was so or not, but the, when they see the the tetragrammaton of Yehovah, because it's so holy, Adonai is used in verbally. Yeah, it doesn't really mean Lord. Well, I guess it it does, but it's actually used whenever the name, yeah. Well, I would call it Yud Hey Vav Hey. Yeah. Well, in Israel, in in Israel, yeah. they say Hashem, and Hashem, yeah, yeah and Hashem, the Hashem. name, yeah, the name, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, the name. Mm-hmm. Rather than okay, oh, meaning Lord, I think specifically Lord. I mean, if it means the most high. Uh-huh. Yeah, and remember in, in all those days, all these mystery schools back there, 
it's only until recently, even Owasi talks about it, that like in Moses' day, it was it was considered kind of sacrilegious to to say the name of the Creator, especially for so the evil people wouldn't get a hold of it. So that in public, all kinds of different names were used because the Creator's name was so um, sacred. I remember. Um, I knew had a, a, a Sephardic friend of mine when I was working at the Harbor Island Spa, this spa hotel, and I was talking to him in the in the because he was on a little his own little mystic path, and we were talking about Kabbalah and this and that. And I I didn't say it loud, but I said the word Jehovah, and he said, "Don't you don't say that loud. You don't say." Oh, he got upset, brother. You know, he was like, "You don't say that loud. You know, you whisper that." Yes, they're very sensitive here in Israel, for sure. So, and, and it makes sense to me. I mean, especially if you look at the times when this stuff was, I mean, the, you know, the, the believers in the great spirit were being persecuted on every side. You don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, you to use the terms of the particular lands you're living in or in with your own, to, because it's sacred, it's holy. It's, you've got to keep this... this um, you know, it's magical. It it has power. So far. Yeah. So Oasi itself says that the name was supposed to be kept not public. Right. At least in those days, right. in ancient times. And then the word, and because the Creator is God in the sense of the only real God, He's the the, the Lord and God of everything. You know. Or the gods just go into the Godhead as individuals, um, but you use the word God, or you—they might have even used the word Beal. Anything that they're not going to be persecuted for saying it, so they can go about the daily life, mm-hmm. and also to keep the secrets of of their initiations. Right. And I think maybe we shouldn't banter it about as much. Um, in the um, 12 gates, in the first part, in the Aries part, it says, you know, Lord of my being. And so considering Lord means earth God, isn't the creator then my Lord as he dwells in my flesh? You can't get too much earthier than being inside a person uh, in the flesh. So, you know, it's how you mean. it ain't what you say, but the way you say it and how you mean it. And I think that's what Joan is saying. We have to be really listen to people what they're saying about what is their concept when they're using certain words or certain phrases or or the training they've come to have. And is it more inclusive than it sounds on the outside and more understanding of a of a creator? I mean, I had that from my daughter-in-law because she, you know, was a born again Christian. But when she describes Jesus. The way she says, well, Jesus is just light, light of the Father, you know. So all of a sudden I'm saying, wait a minute, she's talking what I'm talking about in the sense of it's the light within, it's the light within all creation. And I'm like, okay. She didn't know about theosophy, but, that you know, each in their own. Okay, shut up here. Joan, take over. <laughs> well, let's, Joan, let's get back to this. Go ahead, I have some questions before you close it. Yeah, I don't need to ask them right now, but I just want to have maybe a little time at the end to ask them okay, questions. Okay, I want to talk about yeah. the uh, the other tablet, the center tablet. Um, you may not have noticed 
but not only does she hold a rose in her left hand, but she holds a lily in her right hand, and you can only see it in, um, I, I'm not sure it's very visible. Yeah, it's visible in the one that was in the uh, newsletter. I have a copy of that. Um, but it's the two flowers. Um, and they represent two aspects of um, a person, a person's soul. Although we do think of the rose as each individual person, and the lily, we're told to think of as the purity. Mm. But um, you know, um, they often put um, two different kinds of flowers on the altar in England to. Um, to show people that um, differences don't matter and that um, uh, well maybe that's that's the only reason they put it there but this lady who is in the golden white robe is called Sepenta Menu not menu, but menu. <laughs> M-A-I-N, but it's pronounced kind of like... I, I just say it however you want to say it. Um, she is supposed to be the goddess who has is overseeing the manifestation of Cosmon on Earth. Oh. And uh, she, her colors are red and gold. And that she is in the red and gold. You notice her under her undergarment under her white robe is gold. Um, it's an interesting sort of a head drape. But she is a very important person, and um, it would seem to me, since she is shown in this tablet, this third tablet, that. Um, we're to think of her as more or less in charge now and that Cosman is manifesting through her inspiration. Um, I want to clarify to make sure I'm understanding. She is not an atmospheric goddess, but an Ethereum, it's her Ethereum realm or she's in charge? Actually, Peter, she's not a goddess per se. Um, or a she's considered an energy. Oh, okay. She's considered an energy, and this means that she is head of a vast group of angels who are part of her working group. Millions of angels, probably. I have no idea how much, but when they talk about the angels who are with involved in these manifestations, such as Cosman, they're talking about millions that come. Right. And um, that's what this Sipenta means. Um, it means that, that the person who has that role, who is that working person, is the Sipenta, and all the people under her or who work with her are part of the the group called Menu, M-A-I-N-Y-O-U, Menu. 
Um, How would you define that different from Sapinta Armitage, who was? Well, if if we are to understand Sapinta, because we're told in the trance addresses that it means a group, okay. then this was probably a concept that the people who wrote a WASPy thought was too complicated for people to grasp in the beginning. Oh, okay. And um, there is yet another Sapenta, and um, I'll tell you more about her another time, but um, she had a tremendous responsibility. But let's let's continue looking at the, the pillars here. The center pillar has the lion with its paw on the sacred name. And the lion here represents um, strength and protection of the sacred name, um, the trans addresses tell us. And the immediate straight line up is, is the rose. And directly above that in the center column is the balance scales. This tablet is the culmination of the study of the other two tablets to help a person become a balanced person in the way they approach and use their energy in life. This is not gender. This is how you become a balanced person so that men who are going forth and let's get this done and uh, get out there and do it need to become more um, thoughtful, consider other possibilities, not rush into things sometimes, um, to withdraw back a step and consider. The, the the receptive vibration is one who has these aspects of consideration and tends to draw back, does not rush in. But to become the balanced energy, the woman needs to develop this taking hold and getting out there and moving things along. And if you think about this within yourself, it may help you come to begin to to balance your own energies. But the whole thrust of these three tablets that the angels instructed the English to study deeply was to get to this place where they have this balanced energy. And when you arrive there, you become the chalice the chalice of the creator. The chalice is directly above the scales. And the chalice is filled with light from above and it sends light out. The chalice becomes the vehicle for spreading light and we are to become as the chalice. But we cannot do that until we balance ourselves. So I wanted to run that by you tonight so you could think right. about it. It might be uh, something we want to talk about in the future. We're at 7.15 now. I had other things here I wanted to talk about, but I, let me take a quick look and see if there's anything I could 
I could condense. Um, well, of course, there is my my ongoing mantra. Try that. Um, my ongoing mantra, going back to the tree of light, and um, and symbols that um, Newborough didn't put Masonic teaching in a waspy. Mm-hmm. The angels put ancient teaching in a waspy that was borrowed by the Masons when they mm-hmm. organized in the 1700s. Unfortunately, um, the movie, which I really liked, National Treasure, with Nicolas Cage, we just saw it again the other night. Oh, um, I just did that last night. It linked the uh, Knights Templar with the Masons, and there is no relationship between the Knights Templar and the Masonic Order. Mm-hmm. And if you link them, you can you can certainly see a lot of problems because the Knights Templar were were uh, Christian uh, Crusaders in the 1100s and 1200s. And 500 years later, um, the Masons came along. Um, by then, the T- Knights Templar were gone. There were no more Knights Templar. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing crusades in the 1700s. <laughs> that was a thing of the past. And the Knights Templars had ceased to be. If you read articles about about the Masons, there's no connection with the Knights Templar. If you read articles about the Knights Templar, there's no connection with the Masons. The Masons were stone workers, actual stone Masons, who were out of work because they weren't building any cathedrals at that time. Mm-hmm. And to keep the guild together, the historical research shows that the stone Masons, the, the leaders of the guild, began to bring in things to talk about at guild meetings to keep the members interested. And that's how um, that's how so much of the the um, Freemasons uh, gathered in things from everywhere. And if you if you know much about the Masons, they're just a conglomeration of a lot of different things that have been very powerful for them. Um, the teaching of the Supreme Being, um, the the structure, the the symbols, the symbols are the same as those symbols I told you about in um, uh, the Ice Age carvings. All of this was very ancient material that they gathered in and used mm-hmm. and held their group together. And they began to attract intellectuals. Um, they, they formed between 1717 and 1725. Those are, those are the dates when they first, they first began to recognize what they were doing and pull themselves together as a group and call themselves the Freemasons. And I wondered, <laughs> as I thought about it, if they meant that they they were free to work and do Mason work 
or if they were free intellectually. I uh, I guess I'd have to ask a Mason that, and probably two Masons would give you two different answers. Mm. Even um, like free thinkers. Yeah, free and thinkers. I think yes, yes, definitely free yeah, thinkers. Right. They, yeah, gathering and information, and uh, to say that that Newborough put Masonic teaching into philosophy is absurd because the 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 Masonic teaching that is in Waspi came from thousands of years before. Mithra was the earliest date we have for Mithras, 4,000 years ago, mm-hmm. when these symbols were given, and the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah, um, Jim Den commented on the Kabbalah and how it was uh, Judaism. Um, I'm surprised that people that are writing about it today don't link it to Judaism instead of linking it to the Masons. But at any rate, um, it, it goes much, it's much, much older than that. And you have to realize that um, our, our teaching is the most ancient teaching on the planet. It goes back, well, I told you, the Ice Age symbols, 11,000 years ago, they had the triangle, the cross, the X, the double triangle. Can you believe they had the heart? I found that hard to believe. But I saw it on the chart uh, that Jory printed for me. Um, And the chalice, the sun, these are all symbols that um, were given to the faithists and have been carried forward, and we have them today. Right. But we and also then, had them 11,000 years ago, long before there were Masons. And probably earlier coming when the the, uh, um, the Ions had had that knowledge for themselves. And then the Torah is it's the same old knowledge. I think historically speaking, as far as the the reawakening of the so-called Rosicrucian order predates what I've read, predates the Masons because it was the 1600s that um, people interested in mystical ideas came together and I imagine moved by the spirit uh, of the secret orders that have been probably around anyway. They probably were moved by people who had already been initiated before them who came to them. You know, we, we don't have a written record of that part. So this knowledge has been passed on since the Ions. And at different times, it had to be passed on very secretively and occultly because the pain of having it was not only death, but often a very unpleasant death. Mm-hmm. So that has to, I think, always be understood in this. So one group gets handed up, get hands it, gets gets it, and they may desecrate it at some point in time, and it gets handed over to another group or the the enemy, if you will, gets wind of them and wipes them out, but somebody survives, passes on the knowledge in a later period. So it's just an ongoing process. There's another term that uh, is out there, um, the Western esoteric tradition, yeah. which is another umbrella term 
for what's being discussed here. And a lot of it's just it's it's just kind of human things, building character. And so you have the building symbols and also agricultural symbols of growth. Um, you know, so and and it's also collective consciousness ideas. Mm-hmm. So no one has a monopoly. You've heard this term before. Nobody has a monopoly on, you know, these traditions. It's the it's they're out ancient. There. It's just they're ancient. Yeah, it's, they're it's human. consciousness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. They they've been brought forward in culture and in consciousness because they've just been a part of of the lives of people on this planet since there were people on this planet. And yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah, another, another branch is theos- the theosophists. You know, it's the same kind of knowledge. True. Um, I just touched yeah, was, on the ones that were shown on the Tree of Light. Because, right. Well, that was bringing um, theosophy, uh, if we're talking about Madame Blavatsky, yeah. you know, that was bringing East and Eastern esoteric traditions and Western together, right. it seems like to me. Um, so Joy was you know, disappointed that there wasn't that there wasn't more um of the uh Asian traditions brought forward on the tree. Um, but when when you look at it and think about the traditions of, of the Mithric the Mithradic teaching is all through Asian philosophy, right? Um, and I, I think that that that's where that's where it is. Although I don't know that much about it, um, about how how it all went together. I think I will do some research on that. It sounds like something interesting. Well, so well, that uh, graphic suggests that it's only one part of the esoteric wisdom. Right. That there's supposed to be, apparently there should be, I mean, that's just the Adonai part. Um, And so there should be another one, I suppose, more oriental, we might call it. I would think, yes, I would think so. I think you're right. Remember, too. Remember, too, that Zarathustra was in Iraq, you know? I mean, in Persia, so Iran, um, this Eastern, so all, and, and our Zarathustra of basically um, roughly around and off 9,000, 10,000 years ago, yeah. counting from, from our time now, you know, so basically 9,170-something 9, years from this date, um, is Asian. It's you know, and Brahma, the Brahma, the Brahmins, Brahma came out of a corruption of Zarathustraism at that time, where the church had become the Zarathustra church had become corrupt, and so he was raised up. But basically, the, this the Zarathustraism, uh, the ancient one is what we deal with, and and the more modern ones of 500 some years ago were 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 religions of Asia. Or uh, you know at least the middle, what we would call the Middle East, um, and Buddha went to China, and people took it in Japan. So um, 
Zarathustra basically is is the the hinge pin for most all of it. Very true. Very true. Um, a lot of people don't understand that in the time of of Mohammed was coming into Islam, um, Zoroastrianism as a a religion of the Persian Empire was very powerful, and often there were battles between Christians and Zarathustrians, and a lot of there was a I read a book, had a talking book, a historical talking book that at one point in Eastern Europe there was a battle whether Christianity or Zoroastrianism was going to be the paramount religion. Um, so there were battles between the different religions at that period in time, and Zoroastrianism, and one of the reasons Zoroastrianism, the modern or more modern Zoroastrianism died out, is that it is very much you have to be born in it. You cannot, you and I cannot go and say we want to join your religion unless you marry into it. So they're very, they're very small. There's not many left. And um, Glenn had, you know, had run into a modern day one who was talking. He said, "No, this is this is a family religion, and you couldn't, you can't join it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, at least, yeah. At one time it was just the um, in his in his bad empire days. It was you had to be Persian. You had to be part of that to belong to the religion. Well, I see that it's it's almost seven thirty, so um I think it's time to bring our talk this evening to a close. No question um, time. I'll ask my questions another time, Joan. Well, uh, you can go ahead and ask it if you want to. Well, I'm maybe not... just the so I just want to clarify the very first mention of this the center tablet in other words the one with the with the with the columns um that was in trance addresses of 1960 at the cosmic that was the, that was the first time that there was a clear description of it prior to that oh. there had been descriptions that linked it to the other two kabbalah type uh, tablets, the Arabinia and uh, Hoed Ha'i, Arabinia, Egypt, and Hoed Ha'i. Um, and the, the English couldn't find the tablets, and, and they, were <laughs> they were suggesting all kinds of tablets to be the ones that were being referred to, and it made no sense at all, and they finally gave up and didn't study the tablets uh, at all. Well, wouldn't the trans address have said that it was left out of Owasti? I mean, how do we know then maybe it was just talking about a tablet and describing the tablet, but how do we know it was actually left out of Owasti then? Is there something in the trans addresses that says that? Or... Is it I would have to go back through and read them and see, Leslie, to answer that question because offhand, I really don't remember. It was so clear that they thought okay. this tablet was there 
it was just crystal clear when you read it. And they were trying so desperately to find which tablet it was, and they couldn't find it. So somebody um, painted one from the descriptions in the trance addresses. Is that it? We don't know. We don't know that that's the case. Um, uh, It it looks so like the others. I didn't know they had any real artists among the group in England. And it is such an artistically done piece that um, I really wonder if it was painted by someone in the group. At first, I had assumed that. And the more I've studied it and thought about it, since they found it, since we found this photograph, uh, the more I wonder. And I don't know that we'll ever, <laughs> unless unless an angel comes down and tells us, I don't know that we'll ever really know. There is just this terrible confusion, and um, they call they call the the tablet um, um, the the one I think that they. The Terabenya and Tablet of Ancient Egypt. They called yeah. that the center tablet at one point, but oh. then they realized that that wasn't the center tablet oh. because uh, they were given a description of the center tablet of the uh, Arabenya that made it impossible for for uh, Arabenya to have been the center tablet. So. Uh, Offhand, that's about all I can remember of it. It was a very long, drawn-out thing. Over many years, it started in the 30s. And then during the war, there was nothing done about it because the trans messages stopped. And there was nothing done at all. Um, And then they were told after the war and the bombing stopped, they were told to move to the country. And there were no trans addresses um, until they moved out to uh, Walton because uh, the angel said that the trauma had been too great for the land, for the earth. Mm. And the earth, the earth was suffered, suffering because of the trauma and they did not want to try and trance with the earth in such trauma. And that gives you something to think about how our dear oh, mother earth really. suffers sometimes. Really interesting. So does Gwen know of it ever being used? Did I mean did she did she She knew nothing about it. She knew absolutely nothing about it except that um it was it was I think that there was there was one trans address called the lost the lost or the lost center tablet, something like that. It, there's so many, there's hundreds of these addresses, and I'm trying to get through them all. And mm-hmm. I'll try to find those that have these expressions, but don't expect it to happen right away. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get to it as I can. And we'll see. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, so all, all I know is what I remember and... Who knows if that's totally accurate? You know, memories. Could it of, still be at the church in England? 
No, everything's been cleaned out. Um, Joan, what, how they, put, they took a small closet and put all of the sacred objects in it, and I asked Gwen if I couldn't take, have some of the sacred objects sent back to this country. And she says, oh, no, Faithis will come again to this temple, and I want them to be here. So, you mean uh, in England? Yeah. In England. So, yeah. so um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The the healers are very entrenched there at this time, and uh, they're they get into trouble with the state every now and then because they're trying to to move Cosmic Church out, and the 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 trust in England won't allow it, and uh, so I I don't know. What the final, what the final result of all it will be in the future? I just, you know, it's. Joan, how do you how do you spell the, the other part of the name of the Sapenta in that picture? M A I N. M A. Apostrophe. N men. Apostrophe Y U. Okay, thank you. Um, Peter. Yes. Peter, could I mention that uh, in Persian religion, Spenta Mainu is the yeah. mother of the gods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Is that right? Yes. That's extraordinarily beautiful. Wow. That kind of fits. Yeah. Thank you, Susan, very much. Um, yes. May I make a comment? Yeah, because we're going to ask people to talk, so I was going down the line. Go ahead, Candace. Okay. Um, this is this has all been very interesting, uh, and it's kind of interesting that I, I I finally opened up the the Netflix uh, documentary today, and uh, I have a, a problem with the angle of some of these documentaries but uh it's it's called the family and it's being advertised the last three or four days especially and it's and it's talking about uh people who wanted to gain power and they wanted to use um uh the name of jesus kind of like a code word and uh talking about how uh the people at the um so-called Christian uh, breakfasts in Congress uh, weren't really probably very much considered really Christians, that it was more like a meeting of uh, power shakers. But mm-hmm. because they called it a, a Christian uh, breakfast, then uh, people were not frowned upon who came there from both the Democratic and Republican parties and et cetera. And, and and they didn't look at their activities too closely, uh, and so I don't know. Um, it's just uh, kind of a, a curious thing. Uh, apparently, there's been a couple of that th- they had all these secret rituals and stuff or something going back 80 years, and uh, somebody's trying to expose what they've been doing, 
and it, and my, and my my feelings are if somebody has some power to do something, uh, we wouldn't have had a, such a hellish eighty years. <laughs> Very possible. There was something on um, Almond and Com- Company, a PBS special news, not a special, but a news program, and she had a young. Well, I don't know if he was that young, but younger than me. Um, man on <laughs> who was talking about this same. Um, prayer group, uh, breakfast group, and the amount of power and right wing and bigotry and supporting of violence they seem to be in. And his his position sounded pretty sound. And what kind um, of violence? Violence in general against uh, the, the Ugandan president is part of this thing. Who uh, who are death penalties and killing transgen- transgender people. Um, a lot of right-wing kind of, real right-wing kind of violent, some dictators, because they've all, all these great, the point is, this, in Washington, this, this breakfast, the leaders of all the parties come, people from all the leaders from all different countries when they're here are invited to this breakfast that's held by this particular, according to this young man, right-wing Christian group that, is kind of a warrior Christian mentality that we read about in OASPIS. Well, anyway. Um, and, and Glenn knows about it, too. Someone else can comment about this tonight's program. That's all I was thinking about. Okay. Okay. Um, Susan? Yeah. Anything you want to comment on or say or ask? Um, oh yeah, uh, Joan. Uh, did the the only question I had from what you were saying was, um, did the uh, Masons uh, falsify their origins in the be in the building of the Temple of Solomon? You know, you're very muffled. Um, Maybe you're too close to the microphone, or can somebody help me and tell me what what she says? Is that the Masons, their claim, similar to what I saw you at the Rosicrucian claim, um, says that the knowledge goes back to the, and I think this is an important point, the knowledge they acquired goes back to Solomon's or the temple or the mystical knowledge of Solomon, which could be, in a sense, if you're collecting this, all this stuff was there, Solomon uh, may have been initiated in those same mysteries. So, yes, they say it's about the wisdom of Solomon. Um, and, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Right, and we could say the same thing about, because Solomon may indeed have been initiated in the same mysteries we're talking about. Yes. And some of the people who became Masons or were Masons may have already been initiated in in some secret society. Yes. Well, the Masons just borrowed a lot of things from a lot of people. And um, uh, that's one of the things they borrowed. And it added some depth to their their, uh, studies and, and what they decided to keep and Old as part of their 
I guess, but I guess my question they here is: did they, borrow, did they borrow, or yeah. did an angel, angelic oversight, bring them to bring these knowledges together? Oh, I have oh, no idea. Uh, it's just the Bible, yeah. the Hebrew Bible. Right. So I mean, that's where they read it from, but it's part of the tradition again, our cultural tradition handed down. And who were the builders in Oaspe? The Ions. They're the ones who were who could build. So it's 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 a follow up for mm-hmm. me of all this kind of things. Masons, the builders, the people who could make the roads, the canals, and all through Oaspe in the early days. The kings, the queens, the great potentates, they, they had to go to the irons to build anything. Um, Peter, as long as you mention that, uh, I'll bring up something that, a question that has come up with me a couple of times, and, and I wasn't sure how to handle it, but what about the building of the, what about megalithic buildings? I never associated mm. that sort of building with the irons, but with the gons. They may mm-hmm. have, but the Gons also had to be, the, the Ions were still around then. They're basically, the, teach, the, the master craftsmen seemed to have been the Ions who mm-hmm. then started teaching the, the Gans. Mm-hmm. Got it. So they were the professors, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the supervisors, you know, like, put, hey, Gan, go pull, put that rock over there and fit it in over here. Okay. And then the gans got a little smarter and they could do it themselves, you know, so. Right. And then you remember you also had people who would, had uh, mixed with the ions who in basically kind of came through mixtures that, that didn't weren't the normal mixtures. You know, you talk about some of the early ions ran off and made it with the, the, um, Oh come on, the ground people, and, and a sort of mixture came out of that. And I mean, we had all kinds of different mm. integrations of people. That's right. On the road to to where we are now. Um, so there could have been a, a lot of strange folks. With, but it, I think the important part is this knowledge, these symbols, and remember, there was when the Phoenician language came into being. Names and symbols sometimes got messed up. Like in Owaspi, the circle with the dot means Asu, but the circle in the dot in most modern mysticism means God. Right. So these, in, when when man started in, was came to maturity of inventing his own language, the symbols remained, but often what the symbols meant got reinterpreted because of the the Phoenician language. Um, so these are factors that we have to take into consideration to to kind of better understand. But the symbols, the pictures, and this is, I think, is what Joan is saying is very clear. These symbols initially had nothing to do with Christianity, Judaism, anything else. These are ancient. These go back to the iron. And we may not even know all the uh, meanings of the symbols and how the symbols are 
might mean something different when you put them in a different order and read it a different way. These these are the mysteries. I guess maybe we're still yet to uncover. What is the meaning of the upside down heart in the in plate seventy seven, the Hoed Hayi? To look to to look up to Om, make your heart look up to Om. So oh. heart going down symbolizes looking to earthly things. Oh. The heart pointing upward is look, you know basically look look up into heaven. Oh, and which is up? Which is an up heart and which is a down heart? Because on, I started calling it the, the normal the normal heart is pointing proper, down. But, okay. By the little point. Yeah, the point is down. The little point, okay. Right. But it's, it's interesting because the point is also down in the picture of the universal voice, the square and the heart. Now, a, an interpretation that came to me, and I'm not sure if it's right, is you have what Owaspi said that I mentioned you have the perfecting of, we're supposed to perfect our life, motion, individual, and person. So if you make those three words into a square, a perfected person, if you perfect those qualities in oneself, one is hearing the universal voice in through the heart. But that's just Yeah, because I was really curious about the heart, which was which of the two, and when I looked at all the tablets that had any of the hearts, um, I was able to kind of figure it out that the normal-looking heart is the positive one. That's that's how I interpreted it from looking at all of them really closely. But I'm not sure that has that has the point down. So, but that that was from looking at all the tablets right. that have it. And again, again with that pointing up, I think you know sometimes stuff is just for the symbolic. Looking up, putting your emotions. Look, all of you looking up to up meaning to the to the good to the light. It may be inward for real, you know. But it's looking up. Well, um, and and I determined that the heart that is um, an abnormal heart is is like the looking down negative one. But that's just from my looking at all the tablets, because and you know really marking them and what they're saying, because you can't interpret them kind of either way. But then there's a couple tablets that kind of clinched it for me as to which was which. Right. Mm. I haven't. So I call it normal and abnormal hearts. (laughs) And the normal (laughs) one is what we have and what we want. And I can see the heart being ancient because that, you know, people did know dead bodies and organs, hearts. And it does kind of look like the shape of, you know, that organ of the heart, kind of like a little vortex. So, of course, if you unround the the round part, 
and you keep the points, you got a spearhead. Yeah. Well, really I just recommend to people to look very closely at all the tablets and read what they say. And, you know, but that, so my conclusion, I call it the normal and the abnormal heart. And the normal mm-hmm. one is just the one we're familiar with. That does mean love. Even though there's different kinds of love. Yeah. Well, the, the the love that deals with the passions, you have the you have the creator's love, the blue light, meaning spiritual love, the the, not, the passionless love. Then you have the power of love, which may have red. Then you have, you know, passion, fire, warmth, the 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 love that uh, makes you do good or bad because you're in love. You know. Um, and we evolve. Love evolves. And, you know, I mean, I think we forget that, you know, a, a perverted, sick, psychotic individual who um, we might call a sadist loves what they're doing. So one of, one of the things that love, in one sense, really needs to be... Um, How do you know he loves what he's doing? Hmm? How do you know he loves what he's doing? Well, people love people. Some people I've met and counseled love doing harm. They they get excited about it. That it's a love. Opie says Opie in Oaspe in the, in Benny. It says all uh, that love itself is is the, basically the motion of the creator of of things. Love makes people do things. So there is selfless love. There's selfish love. Compulsion also makes people do things, and love has nothing to do with it. It could, but that compulsion, what I'm saying, the basic chemical reaction in the the body. Statism is mostly compulsion. It may be. But they get into the thing where they also really, the, the evil villain is really getting off on it. Maybe. I mean, how do we really divide? I don't have a real answer for you, Susan, but it, it seems their involvement, their lust, or maybe lust would be a better word. Um, but where where does one end and the other, you know, begin? It's, it's hard to say, but they're, they're totally involved and they really get off on it. I disagree with that. I think we're assuming they get off on it. I've read a lot. I've studied a lot of crime, you may and be I don't think I don't think they're enjoying it. I think they're so uh, 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 so thoroughly manipulated by negative spirit that it's impossible to consider any of it uh, enjoyment. Just an addiction. Yeah, having been an addicted person, I can tell you, I truly loved and enjoyed my addiction. And then as I started getting healthy, it started becoming repulsive. Right. But I totally was into it. It was my God. What what addiction are you talking about? Pepsi Cola? No, I'm talking about amphetamine. About what? Speed. Oh, oh. Okay. Now the conversation's getting interesting. 
<laughs> I figure you oh, be open about yourself. Nobody can blackmail you. Say, so read it in my book on page 26. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Which paragraph? (laughs) Uh, Michael, uh, Susan, um, any more you want to add? Before I go on to Michael. Oh, Uh, I just had a, a, um, I was wondering, uh, one of the symbols I've always seen that the Masons use is the all-seeing eye. Uh Is that something that's... um, because um, I know I think Zerathustra set up an altar with the all-seeing. Eye. But, yeah, the all-seeing eye again, and in even Owaspi, you, you'll see the, the the eye the eye of the Creator. That that is ancient too. Also, one ha- that has been um, uh, uh, desecrated because a lot of people there's a lot of groups who consider that all-seeing eye sits standing for, especially on the dollar bill, standing for Lucifer for Satan. Um, which is a tragedy, and the UN also has that symbol of the all-seeing eye in it, uh, in one of the rooms there. And it, the, it has been very maligned um, as a symbol of evil in, in um, present time. Mm. Um, so it's very it's real. But it's, it's pretty ancient. And, um, yeah. Because, like, even in Oasis, is it somewhere in Oasis? It really tells you the all the eye, the first thing, the all-seeing eye of the Creator. That's you know, it's been here since I guess the beginning. Um, and uh, again, because I, we saw a, a documentary Carl was showing, and it was talking about the different changes that would become before the idyllic communities, and they were painting this really bad picture of the all-seeing eye, making it look something that it belonged to the eye of evil. And unfortunately, that's, you know, it's really a very unfortunate um, denigration of the, of the symbol. So again, you know, we, that's one of the things we will come across, because these symbols will be looked at ancient ones because of, of the corruptions in time as bad ones. And some of the false gods use the same symbols. Um, um, what's her name that was... Uh, um, oh, come on. What's his name? Uh, um, oh, the false god who was, like, for the Roman Empire. I can't... Bow. In Bow, Ashramoth, she used the, the, the true cross. So these things were, were used by the good guys and the bad guys. And the false mm-hmm. gods, all of them, the only religion they were trained in that they broke away from was faithism in the Creator. So they just took the symbols and used them to their own benefit. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and there becomes the mix. That becomes the problem for, for, for our age because there's all kinds of different takes on these symbols. That's why we have to learn to think for ourselves. Exactly, and and Fine. see where, what the context of what's being said about something, and so forth and so on. Um, you know, it's sort of like what it said in, um, I think it was in the Old Testament to, about Israel. I'm going to make you a, a nation of priests and scholars. We got to think. We have to examine. 
We have to be rational as well as spiritual. It's like, like, you know. So, um, and and we have to learn how to do it. I mean, you just don't do it automatically. It's a process for us individually and and uh, species wise. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I was going. I I am very bad in pronouncing names. If the young lady from Israel would like to make a comment. Yadia? No, I have have listened and and learning a a great deal. It's uh, all very interesting. I think um, I asked Mike to send me a a picture of the tablet, the the center tablet. So uh, with looking at it, I want to go back to the recording and listen to every word that was said by looking at the tablet also. This is what I was interested in. Um, I would like to ask you, being an Israeli, um, how how is this integrating with which, with your own Israeli cultural reality? Not only just Jewish reality, but I'm um, you know the the I, Israeli. I am not I am not Israeli. I am French. I am oh, I just moved oh, to Israel sorry. five years ago. Uh, my my uh, Mademoiselle, excuse me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I am I am learning a great deal about the Israelis also. So it's you know I am trying to uh, to put everything all together and understanding um, what it all means. But uh, uh, it's all very interesting. I'm very glad that I am on the on the conference call and learning what uh, uh, everybody on the call seems to have a great deal of uh, of understanding of the OSP, so that's great for me. Well, Are you new? You. Uh, I am new, yes. I came to the OSP just two years ago. Oh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, she's, she's calling all the way from, uh, from Israel, I think, still, yeah. right? Yes, yes, I am in the So what time, what time is it where you are? It is 6 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. Oh, oh my God. You are dedicated. I have Michael to thank because he called me to wake me up at 4. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, oh. I, salute, I salute you. You told me to. That's, that's beautiful. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, Richardson, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, listen, before going, did you get my phone call yesterday? No, I didn't. Did you leave a message? Yeah, so maybe I hit the wrong number. Hmm. Yeah, probably, because I, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't get a voice message, and I didn't get the call. No, this was a voice message. And so somebody got a message that I'd be talking to them about the four directions. But let them Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That person will be enlightened. Yeah, well, they'll probably say, darn, crank call, who the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what would really be funny if the guy just got the Owasi was reading about the four directions. I know, right? That would be hilarious. 
All right, so anyway, uh, more serious stuff. Um, any comments that you want to make? Um, no, I have no comments. I'm just listening, you know, following along. Okay. It's a very interesting conversation, and I'm just here taking notes and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, Joan, do you have any follow-up stuff you want to bring in at this point? No, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the conversation and the contributions by the, uh, everyone who has attended, and um, um, I just want to be sure that um, we can get this uh, pictures of the tablets to Israel. Uh, do we have Do we have a uh, an email address or? Uh, uh, an address to send it some other way? How, yeah, I, how sent, I sent you a, a copy, uh, Joan. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Michael, for taking care of that. <clears throat> okay, that was my, my, only, my only concern. I just, uh, she's making a real effort. I want to help her. You know, we have a lot of material available that we can send. Um, so um, I'll talk to Michael and see what we can work out. Sure. Okay. okay. Um, I think Michael just stepped away. Michael, you oh, back? I'm yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess any any other comments? Any um, observations? Anything before we um, wrap this up? Maybe I'd like to say that I really I was really affected by uh, Joan talking about the tablets. We we spoke about it on Sunday night, and uh, it's uh, the things she said have stayed with me, uh, particularly where she pointed out that where she was talking about the balance. And um, it came out that um, what we need to do is uh, find the balance. And I thought it extended to the question of uh, a conversation and when we talk with others um, that no one person dominates. You know what I mean? Right. And, that, and that if people are shy um, or, or quiet, that... Um, the, the 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 work in balance is to bring them out and get them going a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Indeed. Okay. One thing I enjoyed about the, about this evening was that uh, there were a lot of people contributing uh, thoughts and information. That's right. when we know we're organic. Right, and and that's one of the reasons I try you know go around and try you know ask. This should be. You know, when we do discuss a topic, it shouldn't be a one-way street because we all can think and we can all think very profoundly and have something to say that uh, we may not, anyone or all of us may not have thought about. Yeah, it, it's. I'm getting very conscious of that now. That that you know, that's that's the work to be doing. People people are so drawn into themselves and. And the spiritual work is to draw them out of themselves. 
Yeah, I think it's an important thing, and especially for us, I think, because, you know, we're separated. um, We have our, you know, stuff that goes on in our own lives, and um, these conversations can be very sparking of excitement, which I think it is. We all kind of get really into it and feel connected. I think I I know for sure I do. Um, And then go back to our normal, maybe not feeling connected. (laughs) (laughs) Would that be disconnected, (laughs) Peter? So... Uh, does anyone want to? Oh, we, uh, Michael, before I forget, I pre- I just press nine, or do I got to do star nine to turn off the? Yeah, you just hit star, nine and that's all. Just star nine, it, it stops the recording. Okay, cool. All right, anybody want to do the the closing mm. prayer? Anybody? Hello. Oh, I can do it, Peter. Okay. And nobody else is going to volunteer. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be you, Joan. Okay. Well, would everyone just just sit back in your chair, wherever you're sitting, and take several deep breaths and just relax into the moment. Father, Mother, Creator, we thank you for the opportunity to come together and share. The peace of belonging together is a profound experience. We don't have enough of it, Father, Mother, And we thank you for those moments that we do have. And by praise of Jehovah, amen. 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 All right, take care, folks. Um, I am going to turn off the um, conversation. Richard said if you'd um, stay on, if you would, so I can get your number again to make sure... I appreciate that, okay? So have a good night, folks. I'm going to turn off the recording.